Good morning. If you will turn into your Bibles to Psalm 6. Psalm 6, and we're continuing our series through the Psalms. Let's read Psalm 6. O Lord, deliver my life, is the title. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, and deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you and Sheol, who will give you praise. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord escapes my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. When I was a child and even into my teens, um, we didn't have video games and there wasn't a whole lot to watch on TV except for Happy Days in the Brady Bunch. Some of you probably remember that. But what we would do is we'd be outside and we'd play hide and seek. And one of the things I loved about hide-and-seek is that I was a climber, and we had this limestone um, uh, fireplace. And uh, Harry and I, well, Harry Moore had to clean all that limestone before Dad put it up. But it was great because when we would play hide-and-seek, I could climb up on the outside of that, that chimney, and I could stand up there and hide. And I would just get so tickled when people would run by and try to find me. It was just so much fun. And I was uh, thinking this morning, if we would take Lincoln, and we would say, Lincoln, you're going to go hide, and uh, the rest of the kids are going to come and try to find you, and hide in this room. Well, that'd be pretty easy. And we say, well, I never hid in a church or played games. (laughs) But anyways, we'll take Lincoln and say, okay, Lincoln, go hide in this building. And everybody, let's go search. We probably in 10 minutes or so. He's kind of a big, big guy. He might not fit into the, the closet or something. But now let's expand it. Let's say, okay, Lincoln, we want you to go in Monticello, and we're going to come and try to find you. Well, that's going to take a little bit longer. There's a lot of places to hide. Well, let's expand this. Let's say, okay, Lincoln, we want you to go somewhere in the world and hide. And everybody's going to play this game, and we're going to come and search for you. It would take years. It would take lifetimes. Let's expand it even a little more. Let's say Lincoln becomes one of these rich billionaires and he wants to fly to space. Why? I don't know, but he does. And so he's going to go hide somewhere in the universe. And it is our job to go and try to find Lincoln. What I want you to see today, and I'm trying to illustrate this through hiding That is nearly an impossible task. I want to give you perspective as we study through 
the Psalms, the enormity, the unexplainable God that is so big we cannot encompass him. And that we are yet his creation, but we are a mere speck. We are a vapor, a mist. Our lives go quickly. And I want you to keep this perspective in mind that God is God whether we believe it or not. God is in essence and in his creation, I am that I am. And that uh, um, Josh and I were talking about objectivity and subjectivity. That God is God regardless of how it influences us. But thankfully, through the Son of, of God, we can have subjectivity, subjectivity. We can understand and empathize, or God can empathize with us. So let's get into our sermon. I have three points if you like to take notes. Number one, suffering is God's design for holiness. Number two, prayer is God's design for dependence. And then number three, restoration is God's design for praise. Let's look at suffering. Suffering is a part of life. And we could go around this room and we could listen to different stories of the pain that many of you are enduring. Whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, We are unable at times to escape suffering. However, the world may offer you something that is very temporary and means of escape. Just watch the evening news and you will see all kinds of remedies and things at the commercials that you can escape pain, you can look younger, you can have it all. And we use drugs, both legal and illegal, alcohol, sexual fantasies, gaming, gambling, and many other vices that draw us away from God. And these are only temporary, and they often have detrimental side effects. But what we're going to see in the psalm is how God uses suffering for his glory and for our benefit to be holy, and how David is an example of that. In verse 1, David is pleading out to God not to rebuke him in anger or to discipline him in his wrath. Though David was a sinner uh, and was in constant trouble over his sin, there's no indication that David had a specific sin uh, that he was confessing, but more in a general sense of his sinful nature. Unlike in Psalm 51, where he confesses his sin, he states in verse 4 in Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight. We have to deal with our sinfulness, and I think we should be uh, grieving over our sinfulness. I think we have the great opportunity to repent, but we need to understand uh, from what David is saying here, that there is, there is agony, there is languishing in our sin, but also the sins that are upon, brought upon us by our enemies. In Psalm 6, David is being overwhelmed by his sinful nature and by the sins of others against him. In verse 7, he states, My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. God is using this situation in David's life to bring him to a point of anguish and utter dependence on him. 
God uses circumstances to strip us of everything as David that he would fully trust in him in all things. This process is painful, but it produces in us a holiness. In James 1, it tells us that trials and tests of your faith, it, that faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness per, makes us perfect and complete and lacking nothing, which is a state of holiness. God uses circumstances uh, in this way in our lives. We are sinful people, and God is using suffering and trials in our life to make us holy. In our despair and languishing, we are reaching out to God for help, and this is what David is doing. Suffering brings clarity and priority to what matters most. When we define holiness, it is a separation from what is common. It is to be different than the world. And David is showing us that his hope, his faith in God, is not in the powers of the world, but it truly is in God. Number two, prayer is God's design for dependence. If David was going to a counselor or to a doctor and he was going to use Psalm 6 and list what his symptoms were, in verse 2 he would say, I am languishing and my bones are troubled. And the doctor or the counselor would say, so you're saying you're in physical pain in your body. And David would say in verse 3, my soul also is greatly troubled. And the counselor or doctor would say, you can't get this problem out of your head. And you feel like you can't fix it on your own. And David would nod yes. And David would then say, I am weary from my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. So David, you're saying that you are crying both day and night. And then David says, my eyes waste away because of grief. So David, you can't sleep. And when your eyes are open, you are crying. I don't know if I'm doing justice but uh, to this text, but there is a languishing that David is feeling. There is a heaviness in every aspect of his body, his physical, his mental, his emotional, are all under siege. The psalmist uses this word languishing, which means to be faint or feeble. It is a position that puts us in, or puts us in humility. It reminds me of Matthew 26 uh, in verse 36 to 39 when Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says he began to be sorrowful and troubled. In verse 38, Jesus says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And then 39, he says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, my father, if it's possible, 
Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Our own Savior suffered and was sorrowful. Back in Psalm 6, David told us his conditions. And let's look at what he is asking for or requesting from God. He's asking God in verse 2 to be gracious to me and heal me. And then he has this phrase in verse 3. And in the Hebrew, it's, it's, it's a phrase that starts, but David doesn't finish it. How long? How long? And if we could finish it, how long must I be this way? How many of you have been in a situation where it's like, okay, God, I've been through the suffering, I've been through the anguish. Now, how long? How long? And then David asked God in verse 4, Turn, O Lord, and deliver my life. David prayed in a way with expectation because he knew that God was going to be faithful. And that's why he says here, and I don't think it's in a sarcastic way, but it's, and he references this several times, if I'm in hell, if I'm in Sheol, what's the point if I'm dead? I won't be able to praise you. Because David knows that God will be faithful. In Hebrews 5, um, 7 through 9, it says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. I wonder how often Jesus would refer to the Psalms and look and know and understand the cries of David and Jesus himself cried out to the Lord. And notice in this text it says, in obedience, because he was reverent, he was righteous. Prayer teaches us to be dependent on God. We can have confidence because God knows our needs even before we pray them. There is a comfort in knowing that because of Christ. We have one who has experienced human suffering, both physical, mental, and emotional. He is the man of sorrows, the Savior who shows us how to say, not as I will, but as you will. Even Jesus had dependence on the Father. Jesus Christ teaches us to pray to the Father in dependence on him and to desire to do the will of the Father. And here's the hope that we have. David could pray this way because he knew God is faithful and dependable. Jesus and God, they never, they never fail. 
Number three, restoration is God's design for praise. As you look uh, back on your Christian journey, how many times have, has God been faithful? How many of your prayers have been answered? Our God is good and he gives so much to us, more than we would ever deserve. In the same way, David knows the faithfulness of God and how he has provided for David over and over again. And so in verse 8, David declares, Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayers. David calls out his enemies and declares that it is God is the one who answers prayer. It is God who restores men into his favor. David's enemies cannot kill him nor bring him down. Only God can destroy and only God can restore. David also knows that those whom God has counted righteous can be confident in knowing that in times of suffering and pain, God hears our weeping and our moaning and our prayers. Praise be to God who is our deliverer and he will come in our time of need. This is where when I, I want you to think about the enormity of God and that it is no thing for him to answer prayer. We need to have the proper perspective of God and what he is doing. We need to align our wills to him. And this is sometimes in pain and suffering. And particularly when I think about children who are wayward and who are not walking with the Lord, that we need to trust God that he has a greater and bigger plan. And that we pray, thy will be done, Lord. Because if we're praying towards what we want, we don't always get what we want. A lot of times we do, because God is a good giver. I don't know if you've noticed that. But there are things that are just hard. But we submit to the will of God and go, God, you know, you know. And we need to find comfort and rest in that. David was not only delivered from his enemies, but we can see here he was delivered from his sin. We as well need to be delivered from our sin. It is because of Jesus Christ and the death and the resurrection that we can have assurance in God. And when we confess our sins and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we know the love of God. We know the comfort of, the God, of God through the Holy Spirit in his ministry in us. He is our only hope. The world can offer nothing that will satisfy. We need to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. We need not lean on our own understanding we need to acknowledge him in all our ways, and he will make our paths straight, even in the midst of suffering. God has given us salvation in Jesus Christ, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, but he has also given us the church, the body of Christ, 
The church is the gathering of the local believers who come together, who bring hope and comfort and encouragement to one another and exhort one another for the glory of God. We have each other. We have been restored to God. It is worthy of praise. In Psalm 34, I will uh, summarize and end in this, this way. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul makes it boast for the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Four quick applications here. Do not fear times of pain and suffering. Let God be willing to discipline you for your sanctification towards holiness. Number two, remember God is faithful in all things and in all circumstances in your life. Trust him and him alone. And this is something that I need to work on and we need to work on as well, that we lament and we grieve over our sinfulness. And then what do we do? We repent and we do what is righteous or what is right. And then finally, we need to love and depend on the church as well as they will be loved by us and depend on us. Friends, uh, this morning, if you are in suffering and pain, it is no good to do it alone. You come to the Father, you ask the Father for help, but he has given us the body and that we come and we build one another up. And we have seen evidence of this in the church. There are no lone wolves in the world or in the church, in the local church. There are no people who are uh, independent of their Christianity without being part of the church. It is what Christ died for. It is what he loves most, his church. And so we can be involved in that. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and goodness to us. Lord, we pray that in the, as we are our own detriment at time because of our sin, and then also because the sin is perpetrated upon us in the world and there is evil, I pray that you would give us the strength to endure. And Lord, we know that your wrath is as great as your love and that sin will be punished and that there will be ultimate justice for those who are sinful and unrepentant in this world. And Lord, then it makes us remindful of your graciousness towards us because we are in the same boat save that Jesus Christ called us to himself. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.